Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. We started a new series called Brand Recognition, and we started it last week almost backwards. We started with the what rather than the why, which is what we'll talk about this morning. Last week, we heard the what that brands, like a good brand, have a look at this brand. That's a, that's a good brand, isn't it? Because I shared with you last week, I always remember this sign in the 80s up at Forestway Shopping Centre where I lived as a kid. Whenever you'd come up the hill from Beacon Hill, you would see this beautiful picture of this brand just glowing on the horizon uh, like an oracle. It was just, uh, it was a wonderful thing. It pointed every child to fun and food and it was fast and it was good as a kid. Tasted great. Uh, but as, as we learned last week, great brands like McDonald's, we see there, great brands, first of all, are visible. Uh, but like I've also experienced McDonald's, I've eaten McDonald's at the Pantheon in Rome. Has anyone had that experience? Have you seen that? You go all the way to Rome to the Pantheon and all these wonderful old buildings and you can sit at Macca's and have a cheeseburger. <laughs> and you know what? The cheeseburger at the Pantheon feels very much and tastes very much the same as the cheeseburgers at Forestway. And so a great brand is not only highly visible, but there's a brand integrity. So in other words, the experience of that brand is the same whether you're in Forestway or whether you're sitting outside the Pantheon. And the question was for us as believers, is that true of our lives? First of all, are they visible? And that's what we learned last week from Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Daniel drew a line. He spoke up. He said to the king, I refuse to eat your food. He was visible as a believer. But most importantly, he had brand integrity. He was the same in each and every context. And you and I know that's our wrestle. That's our struggle, isn't it? Because as we talk about this morning in the city of Sydney... Uh, That is difficult to live that visibility out and more importantly the integrity because uh, whenever we come against a city that could be hostile towards us and our beliefs, we feel that pressure and so we try and hide. Not only do we hide but we're different. We may not live by the same values in each context. And so living with this visibility and integrity, it creates something called brand good Will. You've some, some are in marketing here, aren't you, this morning? It's Northside. We've got some marketers here. You understand that goodwill, or even from an accounting practice, is it's this intangible asset in your business that's built up over lots and lots of micro-positive experiences with your brand. And so one of the key things, one of the key calls that we'll see from God is that we are charged to build brand goodwill in the city of Sydney. Now, one of our wrestles is that we see the experience of a lot of religious types aren't doing a very good job at building good will with the brand. We see all the time what happens when you don't build good will with your brand. There's brands like this one here. <laughs> Look, you feel that already. Some of you already started posting your Christmas cards now. Because you understand your experience with this brand. For those on the podcast, we're looking at Australia Post. Uh, But you feel this, don't you? You know, uh, marketers have voted this the worst brand in Australia. (laughs) And you feel it? It's tangible, isn't it? You have multiple bad experiences with this. And, And some of you might be in church, maybe miracle of miracles. You are here this morning because a friend has invited you. And the reason that you have hesitated for the past 10 or 15 years of being in church is because you've had multiple bad experiences with the brand. Or you and I have friends that are seeing 
the religious types. Remember last week I said too that we have to realise it's not just about Christians, Muslims anymore in the world. It's the religious types versus the non-religious types. And so we see people, religious types, going into the city to attack the city, hurt the city, frighten the city, scare the city. And so what is associated with the brand that we see that is Christianity or religion for that matter? There's no goodwill anymore. You know, what our, our past treasurer once said, we're in a leadership meeting and he said, we just need to be careful that we are protecting our reputational risk. And I thought, reputational risk? There is no reputational risk because the church doesn't have a reputation these days. And on one hand, that's sad. But on the other hand, there's a great opportunity for us this morning if that is the case. Wouldn't you agree? Because people only need to experience or have a positive experience with a branded Christian and goodwill can be built, right? So... We talked about the, what last week about being visible, but more importantly, not on one hand, not not over engaging the city and not under engaging the city, not over assimilating, but separating also from the city. We learnt the what last week, but this week we'll see from this passage of scripture we will get the why, and what will determine that why, what will determine how you engage and relate to the, the city is the question of how you see the city. The question is, how do you relate to the city around you? And this is what I mean by this. Uh, there was a great uh, Sydney Morning Herald article by a lady called Elizabeth Farrelly. It was titled, I've always loved Sydney, but I'm starting to fear the marriage is over. She said, the growing demands and shrinking freedoms, the broken promises and re- resolute unlistening, the bullying, the lies, the anger. And then when you say you're done, that's it, you're out of here. More importantly, do you really deep down want to leave or are you just restless, a tad bored? Can it be worked on, worked out, worked through? Or will your ennui just re-sprout in some other greener field? (laughs) Ultimately, like everything, it's about love. Not do you still love Sydney, but do you still love it enough to stay? What a, what a wonderfully prophetic word to use that question because that is the question of the message this morning. Not just do you love Sydney, but do you love it enough to stay? We're going to see that's what Jeremiah says we should be doing. And the question is how do you relate to the city? Because on one, on one hand, do you, do you relate to the city over here? Like a, at one end of the spectrum, you have the hostile reaction to the city. The hostile reaction of the city is those that are saying, have you ever caught yourself going, you know what, Sydney is unsavable. It's, it's unlivable. It, there, is, there is no hope. We Christians have moved to such a point that we are so small, we're such a minority that there's no hope for the city anymore. Or even worse, the further end from that is, is those that actively rail against the city. All the bad things that are happening to you, Sydney, that's because God is judging you. That's because God is placing his judgment out upon you. And so what you do is you, 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 you gather in your small little Christian bubble, as we've talked about last week, and, and you just stay here and you hang here long enough to hope until God comes back and wipes it out. Now, ironically, that, that approach is the very thing that is the whole context of this passage in Jeremiah. What's happening in Jeremiah here? This is like a movie. You know a movie when you, you, you meet the main character who was Daniel last week and then you go to the backstory. 
You go to a separate scene, the backstory, like some home story. He's come out of Nebraska somewhere and he's a country kid and he's moved into the city. And you get all the backstory. This was the backstory for Daniel. So we've been studying through the book of Daniel, yet we're reading from Jeremiah for this reason is that Jeremiah was speaking to the people of Israel who were captives in the city of Babylon. And what had happened is, is that as they'd been carried off into exile, some had decided to set up camp on the, on the outskirts of the city. And so they did what a lot of Christians can do. And they can say, the city is too big for us, too scary for us. We'll just set up camp over here. And in fact, not only did they withdraw from the city, they had an even more hostile reaction in Psalm 137. Verse 1 said, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept. We know the song, don't we? Not going to get that out of your head for the rest of the day. <laughs> Listen to what, what they say. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. That's God's people talking to this big unbelief. How do you relate to the city? That's, that's the hostile approach. Then you, have, then you have the other approach here, and that is the, that's the over-engaging of the city. Have you noticed that the city is so hot right now? Not weather-wise, obviously, it's six degrees outside. You know, the city, city is so cool at the moment. You know, all the shows like Suits and Sex in the City and Kardashians and The Hills. You know, it's like it's, it's, being in the city is so cool right now. I think back in the 80s, the city wasn't cool. Sydney was a bunch of boring, cold buildings. Back in the 80s, you'd go to Surrey Hills and it was messy and weird and damp and just different. Now you go down there, there's coffee shops and there's life and it's so cool to be... You guys notice that dynamic? It's so cool to be in the city now. Even the churches now, you know, everyone wants to plant in the city. The city's so hot right now. Um, but more importantly, it's so cool to be part of the city. There's all the selfies happening from apartment blocks and Bondi Beach. and It's so cool just to be Sydney now or LA or New York. Right, So on one hand, you can be hostile to the city as a believer, but on the other hand, you can over-engage the city. Which way is it? How do you relate to the city? If you look back on your life this week, where would you place yourself in this spectrum? Dare I say most Christians can sit more on this side of the spectrum. One of the big problems we've got at the moment is a big issue that's happening globally. It's called Crexit. It's the exit of Christians from the city. And what I, what I, when I say exit from the city, I'm not saying they're all moving to Castle Hill. Right. Castle Hill is still the city of Sydney because we define city not as the CBD, but as the highly dense, urbanised, intense set of relationships in which we all live. So by the way, we, we're in the middle of it. And by the way, in Crow's Nest, we are as close to the CBD and the city environment as you would get. So how do you relate to the city? Do you overlove it? <laughs> Is it so hot right now you're just getting caught up in it? Or on the other side, are you subconsciously hostile to it? And you get that way, not by attacking it or waving placards. You get it as if, you, a subcon- if you're subconsciously doing a Crexit. You're with- withdrawn from the relationships of of other non-believers around you. So the question is, how do you relate to the city? Well, how you see the city will affect how you relate to the city. 
how you see the city is how you relate to it. And here's what would have blown the mind of those who were listening to Jeremiah because Jeremiah was sent in to go and to correct this wrong perspective, this wrong view of the city. That's why in verse 8, Jeremiah says, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies. Now, if you read verse 27, uh, chapter 27 all the way through before this, you'll see those prophets are doing everything to the people to say, Get out. And what was astounding is that Jeremiah comes in and he comes into the people of Israel and he says, God is saying, Not get out, but get in. The question is, not just will you love Sydney, but will you love Sydney enough to stay? And so we come to the passage at the heart of all that we're talking about this morning. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 7. Have a look. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile. Note that, by the way, that I carried into exile. This was not the falling down of the believer them in their eyes. This was God's plan that he would put them there. And part of the context of that, there was a reality to his judgment on the people of Israel that was making them the minority for this season. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce. Marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. And here it is, critical piece. Also seek the prosperity peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it, the city, prospers, you too will prosper. And then one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible after that, verse 11 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Anyone heard that one before? Hey, pop quiz. Don't put your hand up. It's okay to say to yourself, who in seeing this context here now realises that they may well have been guilty of reading this, that verse way too individualistically all their life? <laughs> Did you get that? I got that. I'm like, there's that verse. That's the one that's the one that your nan would have crocheted on the back of the toilet door, right? (laughs) There's that verse. And if you and I are real about it, how have we treated that verse when we've sat subconsciously hostile to the city? There's no hope for it. And our last resort is if I can't deal with these people around me, at least the Lord says, for I know the plans I have for you. Wow. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city into which I have carried you. Pray to the Lord for it because if the city prospers, you too will then prosper. I love one of the translations of another Bible said, seek the welfare of the city. For if its welfare is looked after, so your welfare will be looked after. Are you getting this? This blew my mind. God says to this unbelieving, hostile city around us, get in to seek the peace of the city. Now, there's an interesting word, seek the peace. What does it mean to seek the peace? It means the word there is shalom. We've heard that word before. When we think of peace, we always think of nonviolence. 
We think that Sydney is a city of peace because there's no war going on, but the word shalom is so much more nuanced. It's deeper than just non-violence. But we think it is that. Now, how would you describe Sydney? Would you say that Sydney is a city that is peaceful? Certainly on the violent end of the spectrum it is, but let me ask you the question. Think back on your week. What have your workplaces looked like? What does your boss look like at year end? What do families look like? What does politics look like? What does society look like? What characterises the city of Sydney? Remember, it's not city is not the CBD. It's these interwoven, highly dense urban relationships. And could I suggest to you that uh, the word that could describe our city, what it is, is pride. That the city of man, not the city of God, the city of man is always characterised by pride. It operates on this basis. You see how it works. People want to go to a city. Maybe that's part of your story as you've come here from another country. At the rate we go in, in Northside, I'd be a fair bet to say it's either New Zealand, South Africa or Adelaide. But that's probably been your story, right? You've moved up because for the job, better work prospects. You come to the city. You, but deep down in your heart too, maybe part of that move is you come like many to get recognition, to get a place, to get status, to get wealth, to find power, to achieve. And then you say, yeah, then I know somebody. It's a pride. And then you, what happens as a result of that is that it becomes two things. The city becomes a place of exhaustion because people are constantly pushing and driving and, and jostling in order to seek this approval. They need to go to the city to get, to get money, to get power, to get recognition. They need to get so I can feel good about myself and we're exhausted because of all the work. And not only are we exhausted, but it's a place of oppression because you've got to climb the ladder. So we're... We're constantly, we're constantly feeling that. And just, and just to keep up with the property market, we feel that, don't we, younger generation? If you don't climb the ladder, we've heard politicians say, well, you solve the Sydney property crisis by getting what? A better job. <laughs> the city becomes exhausting and oppressive. And that's why Farley describes it in her article so well. She says this, there's a narcissistic element here. A classic manipulative push-pull. Sydney wants you around, admiring and reflecting. I know, let's talk about me. Hell yes. <laughs> but when it, time, when it comes time to give back, when it's Sydney's turn to recognise your role as the little person, nurse, teacher, roadman, poet, forget it. We demolish your houses, destroy your avenues, build hotels on your parks and your zoos, flog your institutions, lock your bars, empty your streets, fill your burbs with motorways. And you're fine with that, right? It's love. You owe me. Increasingly, Sydney feels all take and no give. We're feeling that, right? How do we relate to that? I know for you, for, for realistically, for some, and I've seen Northsiders have done this, we reach a point like the writer where we say, we're out. <laughs> Brizzy's looking fantastic. <laughs> We're done. A modern day equivalent of Jeremiah is that God says, don't get out, get in. To seek the peace, the shalom of the city. The shalom was not just a non-violent peace, but it was the total restoration, integration of human relationship. 
Our relationships at the moment in the city, they look like a bunch of threads that were in a tapestry that were just, that they were just thrown on a floor. If the threads are thrown on a floor, they're not a tapestry. But if they're interwoven, if they're mingled, if they're placed, if they're deliberate, if they're side by side, then a beautiful picture emerges. And so you were to seek the prosperity of the city. You see, the city of man works in this way. You, your life to benefit me. I go into the city to get. The city of God works on this principle. It's my life to serve you. It's my life to love you. I come to give to the city because I already know who I am. And so to seek the prosperity of the city means that we as a church are to go in and to sacrificially love the city that is around us. We're to be good neighbours. Well, there's a term that we've talked about before. But we're to love the city around us. Let that sink with you for a second. <laughs> Some of you are still going, I can't believe I read that verse so individualistically. <laughs> Four lifestyle habits of peace seekers. That's what I want to give you this morning. Four of the habits of those who seek the peace of the city. Here's the first thing as we hear from Jeremiah, you stay. Let's be a people who love our neighbours by getting to know them. Verse 5 says, build houses and settle down. Now, I know it's Sydney too, so you've got to do a lot of contextualisation around that. What The Sydney Amplified Bible by, of that verse is not build houses, settle down. The Amplified version means... Put up with the six rental applications that you have to go to because God will give you a place in Wollstonecraft somewhere. So stay in the city, right? Amen? Stay in the city. Uh, be with people around you. But it just doesn't mean physically. It means emotionally. Be interested. Jim Collins in his monograph, Good to Great, for the social sectors, begins with this anecdote where he says he, in his first year at Stanford, he said, I sought out Professor John Gardner for guidance on how I might become a better teacher. Gardner, the former Secretary of Health, Education and Welfare and author of the classic text Self-Renewal, stung me with a comment that changed my life. He said this, It occurs to me, Jim, that you spend too much time trying to be interesting, he said. Why don't you invest more time in being interested? So if there's one principle that we value about the practice of staying, it's just being interested in people. Being interested in your neighbour, not just about physically staying around. That's what it means to stay, to just be interested in people. Here's the next one, pray. Pray for your neighbours. First of all, pray for yourself. We're going to need that. That's why in verse 12 of the passage here, it says in Jeremiah 29, Then, I will call, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me and when you seek me with all of your heart. So first of all, pray to yourself. If you struggle with this, pray for yourself. The city is the very thing that can drive you towards God, but more importantly, pray for your neighbours. But pray like this. Pray small prayers. I'm trying to get real practical with you this morning, but pray, pray. don't go out and pray, Lord, I pray for the city of Sydney. I pray that you would just, you would just fall upon it, Lord, and that stuff would happen. I do pray like that. I prayer walk the city every Sunday morning at Circular Quay. You're more than welcome to join me at 6.30 with six degrees if you'd like to do that with me. But I do. I pray the big prayers for the city. But when it feels like nothing's happening, then you pray the small prayers. I pray that, Lord, you might ordain an intersection with me and my neighbour John this week. Lord, John is really struggling with his finances. I really pray that you would help him with that. 
But ironically, if you're not getting answers to those sorts of prayers, it may be because God might want you to be the answer to the small prayers that you are praying. (laughs) Remember how Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray for workers. Guess who ends up becoming the workers? (laughs) So if you're praying, Lord, John's going through a really tough time financially next door, and you can see that. Maybe God's asking you to invest in John financially. If, if, you're, if you're praying that uh, the lady next to you is, is really struggling in, in keeping up with her clothes or it's winter or she doesn't have a jacket on next to her, Lord, I pray that she might have a jacket. Maybe you give her a jacket. Pray for yourself, but pray the smaller prayers also. Go into these situations. If the big prayers aren't happening, maybe it's because you're not praying small enough. Here's the next one. Stay, pray, play. Offer hospitality to your neighbours. You know the biggest resource that this church has is your home. I was doing the math. I wish Patricia might be here somewhere. She could tell me. Our square meterage here at church, I think, is, I think it's about 2,000. Let's call it 5,000 square metres here at church. I did the math. If we all live in apartments, and I know we all don't, some, some are blessed, but if we all live in apartments, the average size apartment is 85 square metres in Sydney. And so if we all live in apartments and we have 300 people that hear this message this morning, you know that gives us a combined floor space as a church of around about 18,000 square metres of hospitality space. We're blessed. You know that means we have not one church kitchen but 300 church kitchens. You know that means we don't have just six tables in the urban garden but we have like 300 and something dining tables. Are you getting the picture? If you take 18,000 square metres, that is the size of an Amazon-style warehouse out of Eastern Creek in the city. That is how much floor space God has given this church. Your home is the greatest resource to this place. And we need to do scruffy hospitality. What I mean by that is we're we just, in our culture, low and all sure, we want to get everything right. Place, oh, it looks too messy. I haven't dusted. It's true. <laughs> just open up the house. Do scruffy hospital. Yeah, my undies are on the floor. Sorry. <laughs> People like that in a culture that's so together. People like that, don't they? It's disarming. You're feeling disarmed now or disgusted, one or the other. Play. Open up your home. But more importantly, here's a great one I heard. If you're not a party thrower, be a party goer. If you're not a party thrower, be a party goer. Kristen and I, we're not party throwers. We, We really wrestle with struggling to do this. We're not good entertainers. But I can be a party goer. I think that's so important. If God says get into the city, then go. Go to Friday night for drinks. Go out with the work friends to the plays to the bars, to the places where they are, interact, engage with them. Say yes to the invitations. I had a neighbour come around the other day because he, he worked out that I love coffee. So he bought a kilo of coffee and he split it with me so it was cheaper. I didn't have the heart to tell him I'd already bought a kilo like yesterday. <laughs> Do it anyway. I'm a party goer. And he said to me at the end of it all, he said, oh, Sam, what do you think? Do you reckon sometime this weekend you could come around and test my coffee machine with me? So that's what we're going to do after church. I'm going to be a party goer. I'm going to go around for a coffee, even though I've now got one and a half kilos of the stuff in my own machine at home. (laughs) 
Go in, go to the city, accept the invitation. Last of all, stay, pray, play, say. Share your faith, your life with your neighbours. It's what we've been talking about in Wiki Church. We've been talking about evangelism, but here's where I think we've gotten evangelism all wrong. Here's where I think we've mucked it up. We see ourselves as salespeople rather than satisfied customers. We think of ourselves as sales. Look, if you, if you have to go and sell Christianity, that's tricky because you have to own Christianity. If you just want to share Jesus, that's easy because he owns you. Now consider these two different, these two different phrases. Oh, look, I've, you, should, you should go and buy this car. You'll absolutely love it. Versus, I bought this car and I love it. You see the difference? Oh, you should, you should go follow Jesus. You'll love it. I follow Jesus and he's changed my life. Man, I wish, I wish we had more time to tell you. You're not a salesperson. You're a satisfied customer. And so you just say and share your life. But also it's just not about sharing your faith, but your life. The great American philosopher, Forrest Gump, <laughs> said this. If you go to the zoo, always take something to feed the animals, even if the signs say, do not feed the animals. <laughs> it wasn't the animals that said, put the signs up. <laughs> Got to be careful with this analogy. But feed the animals anyway. Is it me or somewhere somewhere along the line, someone put a sign up somewhere that says, don't feed them. And more often than not, people want to hear about your faith. Feed them anyway. Pray for them anyway. I'm yet to hear of a person come to me and say, and say Sam, I've had a really tough week in my faith. I offered to pray for someone and they told me to get nicked. Just feed them anyway. Share your life. Be open, invulnerable. Stay, pray, play, say. Do you reckon you could do that? Four habits of peace-seeking believers. Stay, pray, play, say. Stay, pray, play, say. That's what we will do, continue to do over these weeks. Is that making sense? Is that helpful? How will you relate to the city this week? How you see the city will impact how you Relate to the city. <laughs> it's not a matter of do we love Sydney, it's a matter of do we love Sydney enough to stay. And more importantly, the question that Jeremiah poses to you this morning, it's a question I pose to you, are you simply willing to love a city that may not love you back? It may be hostile, it may push back on you, it may be different from you. And you know what, we as Christians, I believe, have the best resource possible to love a city like this. Because in our faith, the centre of our faith is a guy who went into the face of, face of a hostile, unbelieving city and he loved it anyway. He went in and he was a part of it. He didn't separate from it. He engaged it. Matthew 27 says, Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the son of God. And in the same way, the chief priest mocked him. And the teachers of the law mocked him. And so here's where you get the power to serve the city around you. Only in Jesus Christ do you see a person who, when he moves into a hostile city, didn't attack it, but he loved it. 
He loved it anyway. And until you get the gospel in the center of your heart, that this city, we're called to love it, but this is not our city. We're exiles. That there is another city, a godly city, the heavenly city that will eventually come down. That is the city that we are destined for. But in the meantime, God says, go in, love this city, because if you look after its welfare, your welfare will be looked after also. Can you love it? You, are you little firefly, you, you the ones that are light and salt. You are the ones, not this whole process here and the building and the lights. You're the one with the kitchen, the dining table, and your 85 square metres of floor space. You are the ones who are best placed to inject some goodwill for God in the city of Sydney this week. That's what he calls you to do. Think about it. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.